Welcome to my podcast. My name is Anne Lister and this is The Tale of Geoffrey. Geoffrey is a story about King Arthur and his court that was written, as far as we can tell, in the year 1225 for King James I of Aragon and his first wife, Leonor, who was a granddaughter of Eleanor of Aquitaine and Henry II of England. If you want to know more about the story, how I came to be interested in it, how I have adapted it into English, please have a look at my website, which is at www.annlister.com. There will be a number of chapters of this podcast, so keep your eye open for when the next one will come along. Thanks very much, and I hope you enjoy it. to hear a story that's remarkable and true, full of intelligence and chivalry and brave daring do, adventures that are strange and bold, battles that are tough, then I'll tell it the way I heard it, if I remember it enough. But it's best if you pay attention, listen close to what I say, for if you chat and whisper I would waste my time today. You've got to lend your ears and heart to hear a story well, So come up close and gather round, for the story I will tell is a royal tale, a lofty tale, a tale of the finest sort. It's a story of King Arthur and of his noble court. And, of course, there never has been such a good king as Arthur, who ruled with such generosity and justice, which is why people still tell stories of him and of the brave, fine knights who were part of his round table. No one ever came to his court to seek help who didn't receive it, as long as their cause was just. There was no room at King Arthur's court for people who behaved badly, and anyone who'd suffered by losing a parent, a husband, or any kind of protector could be sure to find help, support, and defence by asking him. So as this story tells us of a notable king, leave off your interruptions and your rowdy fidgeting. Although I never had the chance to see Arthur or his queen, I heard this tale from a foreign knight who spoke of what he'd seen. This knight was kin to Arthur, and so it must be true, and I'll tell it as I heard it. But the listening's down to you. My story starts at Pentecost, and Arthur had called his men together at his castle at Carduel for a royal feast. All of his best knights were present. You'll have heard of Sir Gawain and Lancelot of the Lake, and Tristan, bold Ivan, excellent Eric, Kay the Seneschal, Percival, Calogrenant, the distinguished Cliges, Coedis the Wise, the Fair Unknown, and Caradoc Shortarm. They were all there, and many, many more as well, but I don't remember all of their names. As the festivities began, they sat and told each other stories of the adventures they'd been seeking, the adventures they had found, and some even told of love. Kay sauntered into the room, carrying the apple branch which showed his official position. Kay, as I'm sure you know, was a famous and skilful knight, a rich lord with lands and wealth, a wise man and a good counsellor. But his sharp tongue and abrasive comments meant that even the bravest of Arthur's knights kept their distance from him. He went to the king and reminded him that it was time to eat. Arthur rebuked him. Kay, your manners have not improved. How many times do I have to tell you that I will not give the order to eat, however long we have to wait, until an adventure happens or we hear some strange news? 
Kay went to join the others, and the entertainment continued between the knights, the ladies, the courtiers and the minstrels. Time passed. Soon it was past three o'clock. Arthur called his nephew, Sir Gawain, to his side. Nephew, he said, we've had no adventures so far, so we must go and seek them. By now the feast should be over, and I can see that people are unhappy at waiting for so long. Give the order to saddle up and we'll go together. Gawain went immediately to the squires and instructed them, and soon the horses were ready, while pack horses were laden with equipment. The knights were brought their armour and their swords, and soon a great procession rode out of the castle, into the huge forest of Procellion. When they'd ridden deep into the forest, the king called a halt and asked everyone to stay quiet. I can hear a voice in the distance, he said. There's someone calling and calling for help. I'm going to find out what's happening. Please, my lord, let me go with you so that you're not entirely alone. Not another word, nephew, said the king. I am going alone. He asked for his shield and his lance and then set off at a gallop in the direction of the voice. The cries for help grew louder, and then Arthur came to a mill on the banks of a river. At the door of the mill was a woman, who was beside herself with grief, tearing at her hair and calling for help. The king's heart was full of pity, and he asked her what was troubling her. Oh, my lord, help me, please. A strange, enormous beast has come down from the mountain over there, and it's inside my mill, eating up all of my grain. Arthur peered around the door and saw there was a huge, ferocious animal. It was bigger than a bull with a hairy red hide. Its large head was set on a very long neck and crowned with a whole rack of horns. It had enormous round eyes, long teeth, a flat snout and long legs with very big paws. The king was amazed. He dismounted, raised his shield to protect himself and drew his sword. The beast took no notice of him, didn't move, and continued to chomp on the grain from the hopper, swallowing in huge gulps. Because it didn't move, the king assumed it was tame, and gave it a whack across its rump with the flat of his sword. The beast took no notice. Arthur went round to the front of the animal and fainted a stroke at it. The beast still took no notice. Arthur sheathed his sword and put down his shield and then grabbed the beast with both of his hands by its long flat horns, pulling it and shaking it and twisting it. Although the king was strong and tall, he couldn't shift the beast an inch, so he decided to punch the beast in the head. That was when he discovered that he couldn't move his hands from the beast's horns. The beast seemed to realise that Arthur was now firmly attached and it started to move off with Arthur dangling from the horns, upset and angry. Out of the mill it went, carrying the king and ambled quietly and peacefully through the forest, going wherever it wanted. Gawain was the first to see what was happening as he'd moved away from the others to keep a lookout with two other companions. He was horrified to see the extraordinary animal and the plight of the king and he called out to the other knights in the forest. Knights to me, we must help the king. Anyone who runs away is a traitor and no longer part of the round table. Gawain ran towards the beast, not waiting for the others and lowered his lance to strike at the beast. But the king called out to him. Have mercy, nephew. If you attack it, I'll die. But if you leave it alone, I'll be safe. I think it respects me because I didn't hit it before, even though I was angry. I don't think it means me any harm, but for the love of God, stop anyone else from hurting it, unless they mean to kill me too. Go and tell the others. Gawain was in tears. My lord, how can I bear to do nothing? 
Nephew, the only way you can help me is by not hurting the beast. Gawain threw down his lance, took off his shield and hurled it away, furious and upset. Meanwhile, his companions, Tristan and Ivan, raced up, ready to attack. Gawain raised his hands and shouted, Don't attack the beast, my lords. If you even wound it, the king is as good as dead. Then what are we to do? Stay with it and see what it does. If the king dies, we'll kill it. The beast continued to walk on slowly and deliberately, not taking any notice of the knights, moving as straight as a swallow in flight through the forest, until it climbed up on a rounded rock, following a steep path upward. Gawain and his friends followed, grieving and angry. The beast reached the highest precipice it could find and looked out over the edge, with the king now dangling into space. Gawain and his companions were in deep distress and the other knights from the castle gathered with them below the rock face looking up at the king. All of them were lamenting and weeping and cursing the very thought of adventure which had brought them into the forest. Kay was so upset that he fainted and fell backwards off the side of his horse and lay there on the ground. The king was now trying to increase his grip on the horns because he realised that even if he could let go now it wouldn't be a good idea. And among all of this grieving the beast stood at the top of the rock, not moving, and quite relaxed. Gawain, Eva and Tristan started to make a pile of clothing at the foot of the rock to give the king a soft landing, and Gawain called out to everyone present to do the same. The whole company there began to disrobe, rushing up to put all of their clothing on the growing pile, stripping off absolutely everything – breeches, shirts, shoes, hose and the heap of clothing grew bigger and bigger until it would indeed have cushioned the king's fall. When the beast saw this, it made a little move away and shook its head, and the crowd of watchers cried out in alarm. Some began to pray. Then the beast jumped with all of its four feet together and landed neatly in the crowd. It transformed into a tall, handsome and elegant knight dressed in rich fabrics. He knelt before the king, trying not to laugh, and said, my lord, your men can get dressed now and we can all go and eat. We've had an adventure now, even if it was a little late in arriving. The king was astonished at the sight of his naked court and at the sight of the knight, who was one of the best of the round table. He was bold, wise, courteous, friendly and popular. But he was also learned and he had studied all of the enchantments and the seven arts written in books. This knight had made a wager with the king that if he could change his appearance at one of the great feasts, he would win a gold cup, the best horse in the court, and the right to give a public kiss to the most beautiful maiden. Gawain came up to the king and found that he was safe and sound and laughing happily with the enchanter. That was a good spell, Gawain said. You've magicked us clean out of our clothes. The knights went to the pile of clothing and took whatever garments came to hand to dress as quickly as possible, and they all went back to the castle in high spirits. They washed their hands and all sat down eagerly, ready to eat. Eva and Gawain escorted the queen, Guillaumier, to her place beside the king, and Gawain sat on her other side. There was a lot of joking about what had just happened, and the queen and the other knights and lords who hadn't been there felt a little cheated at having missed out on the fun. Sir Kay brought in the first course and served the king and then the queen before sitting down himself. The table groaned with rich food, fine white bread and fine red wine. There were soups and meats of all sorts when they sat down to dine. 
goat meat, venison and peacocks, bustards, capons, swans and cranes, plump chickens and fat partridges. There was no reason to complain. Just as they started eating, a tall, handsome young man came in riding a pack horse. Quite the best looking man you'll have ever seen, with broad shoulders, fine features, tender laughing eyes, stunning golden hair, powerful arms and beautifully formed hands with long fingers. He had long legs and high arched feet, and although he was slender, he was well muscled. He was wearing a fine tunic of shimmering silk with matching hose, and on his head was a garland of brightly coloured flowers. His face was reddened by the sun. He dismounted and looked about the room to find the king, and then went joyfully across to where he was sitting, and knelt before him. May the Lord who made the thunder and who made the whole world and everything that lives within it save the king and all around him. My friend, said the king, may that same Lord give you good fortune too. Tell me why you've come and I will willingly grant your request. My Lord, I've been told you are the greatest king in the world. I'm a squire and I would beg you, Lord, to make me a knight. My friend, get off your knees. We'll do this for you gladly, but let's eat first. My Lord, if it please you, I would ask one more boon of you. My friend, whatever it is, it will be granted. The young man rose to his feet and went to wash his hands. But then an armed warrior galloped into the hall right up to the king and queen and struck one of the knights through with his lance, dropping the dead body at the queen's feet. The warrior turned about and shouted, Miserable king, I have done this to dishonour you. My name is Taulapter Rogimon and I will return to attack your court in the same way each year at Pentecost. If any of your knights wish to challenge me, they must ask for me by name. The king sat dumbfounded, but the young new arrival leapt to his feet and went to the king full of confidence. My lord, he said, I would ask you now to honour the promise you made me and let me have the equipment I need to follow after this knight. Sir Kay looked up. Oh, my friend, you're not drunk enough to take on this kind of a challenge. Come now, sit down again, and I'll make sure you drink enough to have the right kind of armour to cope with knocking knights down. The young man didn't respond, but the king spoke up. Kay, will you never learn to hold your tongue? Keep your stupid jokes and banter to yourself, and have respect for strangers who've come to my court. My lord, said the young man, let him say whatever he wants. I know he speaks badly to everyone, and his words can't harm me. I'll have my revenge soon enough, I'm sure. But please set me up with the equipment as you think best, and I'll go after the man who's just left. I won't eat till I catch up with him. My friend, said the king politely, I will be glad to give you a war horse and make you a knight too, as you've asked me so courteously. But I don't think I have even four men in my court who are capable of taking on this man, and I fear you're not strong enough. Let someone else go. I would regret losing such a tall, fine, well-bred youngster. But, my lord, surely if I am so tall and strong, it would be wrong to prevent me from going to fight, and you would be breaking the promise you made to me. No king should break his word. Very well, my friend, if you want it so much, but first I will dub you a knight. The king summoned two squires, who brought the young man a lance, a shield, a helmet, a sharp sword, spurs, and a lively horse with white legs. They dressed him in his hauberk, and then the king attached his right spur, fastened the sword to his left side, and kissed him on the mouth. And now, what is your name? the king asked. 
in my country, my lord, I'm known as Geoffrey, the son of Dozon. The king sighed and spoke to the court. Dozon, my lords, was a worthy knight. He came to this court and sat at this table. He was brave and courteous and he was never defeated in battle. No one was ever as valiant, as strong or as famous in war. But may God have mercy on him, he died in battle fighting for me. He was besieging the castle of one of my enemies in Normandy when an arrow from an archer pierced his heart. Geoffrey seized the saddle of the horse with one hand and leapt straight from the ground onto the horse's back without needing to use the stirrups. Then he asked for his shield and lance, commended the king to God and took his leave, galloping out of the hall. enjoyed the first chapter. Chapter two will involve a villain called Estut. The music for this podcast has been specially written by David Yardley. I thoroughly recommend him and his website, davidyardleymusic.com. And please keep your eyes open for when the next episode of this podcast will happen along. Thanks again for listening. Oh, and if you should feel that you want to show your appreciation, I do have a tip jar, a virtual tip jar, and I must admit, any contributions would be gratefully received. The address for the tip jar, as she said, looking for a bit of paper that has it on it, is paypal.me slash gb. Any amount, a cup of coffee, whatever you feel you can put in, very gratefully received. Thanks again.